After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And when he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no fooler on earth could bleach them, then Elijah appeared to them along with Moses, and they were conversing with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus in reply, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He hardly knew what to say. They were so terrified. Then a cloud came, casting a shadow over them. Then from the cloud came a voice. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone but Jesus alone with them. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Shunstadt Way of Life podcast. I'm your host, Julia Monin, author of The World is Noisy, God Whispers books. We are in the beautiful month of June, this month dedicated to the sacred heart of Jesus, where we really take this time to think about the love that Christ poured out for us, especially on the cross, do we not? This love that, that that was poured out for us there. Um, and of course, this is being released on the 18th of the month, like, like every 18th of the month, which will actually land on Father's Day. And so I'm looking, happy Father's Day to all of you fathers that may be listening. And um, if you are listening, God bless you. You must be a really special father <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast. So seriously, God bless you and happy Father's Day. But I want to look like back to our father, our founder, Father Kentonick, in this episode as a special shout out to all fathers and to our, to our father of the movement. And in doing so, we're going to spend a little bit of time reflecting on this, what I just opened with. This is, um, of course, the transfiguration of Jesus. I was reading to you from Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, verses 2 through 8. You're probably familiar with this passage, I'm, I'm guessing anyway. Um, but in a second here, once we get going, I want to quote some words of our founder, Father Kentonick. As we go back to the beginning, we go back to um, the beginning of the movement back on October 18th, 1914, and what happened there with Father and, and with the boys, right, in that little, in that little shrine, in that little chapel and the humble beginnings of this movement. It's just, it's always inspiring to me. It's one of my, um, what I don't know what the word I'm, it's one of my favorite parts about Shunstadt, I think actually, is how it was founded. The simplistic, the simplistic way in which it was founded, the humble beginnings of the founding of Shunstadt. And of course, we'd have to go all the way back to the beginning of, of Father Kentonick's life to get really this seed that was planted from the very beginning, early of his life. So we're not going to do that today. But I want to go back to this, that, that first founding day, October 18th, 1914, and just give a little little reflection and it's something most of you probably already know but a little reminder for all of us of how humble this movement that is now international and um, has been instrumental in in increasing devotion to Our Lady and in helping people fall in love with the Lord Jesus I know in my own life it keeps striking me like wow what a what a miracle of conversion was worked in my in my heart after consecrating myself to the blessed mother really after my own mother consecrated herself to the blessed mother um, and then that the graces began trickling down to the rest of us her children um, but it's just astonishing and it all began with such a humble beginning there wasn't an apparition there wasn't some supernatural revelation or anything like that um, but just this humble this humble thought this humble prayer of father Kentonick during a very trying time in the world and so so we'll look to that today. Um, before we do, let's go ahead and put ourselves in the presence of God and open with prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
I trust your might, your kindness, mother dear. I do believe that you are always near. Shunstadt's great queen, O oh, mother mild, I blindly trust in you and in your child. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, so let me quote some words, as I promised, um, from Father Kensinick on this this founding day, October 18th, 1914. I am, I am reading, by the way, um, from the book Joseph Kensinick, the, the biography, the most recent biography, Joseph Kensinick, A Life on the Edge of the Volcano by Dorothea M. Schlickman. And I'm reading um, a section in there that is called A Day Like Any Other, October 18th, 1914. But uh, here are some words from Father Kensinick. When St. Peter saw the glory of God on Tabor, he called out with delight, It is good for us to be here. Let us build three tents here. These words come to mind again and again. And I have often asked myself, would it then not be possible for our little Sodality Chapel to likewise become for us the taper on which the glory of Mary would be revealed? Undoubtedly, we cannot accomplish a greater apostolic deed nor leave our successors a more precious legacy than to urge Our Lady and Queen to erect her throne here in a special way, to distribute her treasures and to work miracles of grace. You gather what I am aiming at. I would like to make this place a place of pilgrimage, a place of grace for our house and for the whole German province, and perhaps even further afield. All those who come here to pray shall experience the glory of Mary and confess. It is good for us to be here. Here we want to build our tents. Here shall be our favorite place. So like I've mentioned, this is probably not news to those or new information for those of you that are listening to this podcast, because most of you listening have made your covenant, have gone through formation, have learned about at least a little bit about the history of the movement. So this is information you know already, that in the beginning, you know, Father Kentonick is a spiritual director to to these to these boys, and and they they have this small chapel now, right? The St. Michael's Chapel dedicated, and and yet Father Kentonick it ha- just has this on his heart has this in his prayer that this can become a place of pilgrimage and it's kind of with the like these are my words not his and it's kind of with this attitude of why not why not so again this wasn't some supernatural vision father kentonick wasn't receiving an apparition the blessed mother didn't appear to him in some supernatural way it was just why why not if we ask her to come, why wouldn't she come? If we want this, if we if we desire this, if the longing is there for this to be a place of pilgrimage, then why not? It's so simple and so humble and at the same time so incredibly bold, is it not? To think about that, to wonder about that. Um, and I don't really have a lot to add to that, except I do have a question. I do have a question for you. And it's a question I've been pondering here. I, I spent some time with the Lord in adoration today, and it was a question that I was kind of wrestling with him before the Lord or before the Lord in, in adoration. And it's not something that I have come to the fullness of like communicating or understanding or or don't even really remotely have an answer. It's just a thought. And I want to throw it out to you as well as a question to ponder in your own prayer as as we as we um, joined together on the podcast today. So here's the question. I was thinking and reflecting about 
all the miracles that our Lord Jesus worked in his time with us here, his, his earthly time when he was here in the flesh with us, all the miracles he works, right? The miracles of healing, making the blind to see, the deaf to hear, right? Um, the lame to walk, raising people from the dead, raising Lazarus from the dead, all of these miracles that he worked, right? Um, you know, feeding thousands of people with a few loaves and a few fish. And every time we read about these miracles in, in the gospel that Jesus worked, we notice that these miracles absolutely got people's attention, right? Especially the if, even if it was like a one-on-one -on -one encounter, it got that person's attention. Like, oh, that's pretty miraculous, right? Um, that's amazing. And, and those people were transformed in some way, shape, or form. Um, but on the masses too, you know, people started to be attracted to him. The more and more he started working these miracles, people started recognizing there was something different about him. And so these miracles got people's attention, right? I think we would all probably agree agree with that. But here's the thought I haven't totally formulated yet and haven't spent a lot of time researching or thinking about that I'm going to throw out to you to think about too this month as we as we stay united in prayer as this as this month continues to unfold. But did they keep people's attention? So the miracles got people's attention, pointed people to Christ. At least, at the very least, they woke people up, right? They said, okay, this this guy's different. This is different. No one's ever done this before, right? They they woke people up, and that's good. Like we all have we all need that in in our convert, you know, when when the Lord is drawing us to himself. We need those wake-up moments. We need those eye-opening moments. We need those moments of deep conversion, those moments of deep grace. Um, maybe even um, you know, supernatural realities or supernatural healings or something like that that really wake us up, right? To say, okay, my bad on how I've been living my life. You must really be God um, because this is beyond human human understanding or beyond anything we as humans can do, right? Okay, so these miraculous encounters or these miraculous healings get our attention. But here's my question. Think about it. Wonder about it. Go pull out your scripture. Pull out the gospels. Read the gospels. Think about how our Lord's life ended. Do the miracles keep our attention? So here's my very raw, unthought-out thoughts on this. I would argue maybe no. We have such incredibly short attention spans, such incredibly short attention spans. And we are constantly jumping from one thing to the next, one thing to the next, one thing to the next. Well, that was great. Okay. And that that's great. And this and that and the other. And then it with the new wears off. And then you're constantly looking for the next new thing, right? Part of the growth of the life of the soul and part of the 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 life of growing in the life of prayer is being consistent, continuing to show up day after day, even when you go through dryness and darkness, even when um, you don't know why things, why you're doing that any, anymore, even when your prayers aren't being answered. Like part of this growth, part of really growing in maturity is you show up, you keep showing up during those times. You're consistent, you're patient. Um, this virtue of this fruit of the spirit, right? This long suffering patience that you 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 begin to embody that or the, the Holy Spirit is at work in, in helping you to grow in that virtue of learning to be patient and 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 suffering with the Lord um, or whatever whatever that might be. So we have incredibly short attention spans. It's easy for us to like wake up and say, oh, okay, oh, that was pretty miraculous. Um, but do these miracles keep our attention in the long term? I mean, at the end of the day, we killed Jesus, right? He worked all these miracles. People saw them for themselves. Um, but most people refused to believe so much so that he was, he was put to death for all of us, right? And then he, 
He rises from the dead. He appears to those closest to him and and the same type of thing. Some people would believe, we can read like when, when Paul was converting and preaching and, you know, going to all these people, some people would believe what Paul was saying and would be baptized, but some wouldn't. Same with Peter. You know, we can read that in the Acts of the Apostles. Some would believe, some wouldn't, right? So we see that these, these things, these miraculous things get our attention, but do they keep our attention, right? And we have to always remember that God absolutely is a God of miracles and absolutely can work miracles and absolutely is still working miracles to this day. He loves us. He is a good father who loves us, who wants us to spend eternal life with him. We were created for that. We were created in love, by love, and for love. That is the end for which we were created, right? This fulfillment of our life with him in eternity, in heaven, forever, with him. He wants that for us, but he wants faithful, faithful sons and daughters, faithful sons and daughters. And so here we have to live in these virtues of faith, of hope, and of course, of love, of true love. This love that will allow us to um, go to the cross in whatever way the Lord asks us to for the betterment of our brothers and sisters around us, For um, because that is what God is asking, for love of God, that we do these things. And of course, faith is not seeing, but, but believing, right? So if you just worked miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle, and we never had these quote-unquote ordinary times of our lives um, to really grow in faith and hope, then it wouldn't really be faith and hope, would it? Because we'd be seeing everything and we'd be knowing everything. And so where where would the room for the faith be, right? And so um, going tying this somewhat together with the founding, going back to how this movement was founded. And yes, I, I said that. The, it was a miracle of conversion worked in my soul when my own mother consecrated herself to the Blessed Mother and she began to, to have a conversion in her own life and, and fall more and more with the love and, and, and love with the Lord and take her faith more seriously and that those graces began trickling down to the rest of us. And eventually, yes, that began touching touching my life as well and, and my own heart and my own life was, was converted as well. And I... I call that a miracle of conversion. It really was, guys. I was living in the depths of hell. It was a miracle of conversion. Um, And I'm not using that word lightly. But at the end of the day, it's not that miracle that will keep me united with the Lord. It got my attention. It woke me up. It made me realize that, you know what? I had made such a mess of my life. There was no way I could have cleaned that up on my own. Like he had to have done that. But at the end of the day, that's not what is what has kept me going back to him in the life of prayer that has kept me uniting him in this uniting myself with him in the sacrament of holy communion that has kept me going back to him time and time again in the sacrament of reconciliation right that is where these these virtues of faith hope and love come in that god is constantly growing in us so the miraculous things they get our attention but do they keep our attention and again sorry i got on a tangent there let's tie that back to where i began the beginnings I said at the very beginning, one of my favorite things about Shunstadt, even when I didn't know anything and I was just at the beginnings of my conversion and sitting through the classes the first time in preparation for making the covenant of love myself, one of the favorite things I liked hearing about was this, the humble beginnings, that it wasn't like some supernatural apparition. There wasn't some supernatural thing going on. Mary wasn't appearing to anybody. She wasn't saying do X, Y, Z. Um, there was none of these. And I'm not I'm not downplaying the times that, you know, the church has approved of these things happening and, and the private revelations that have gone with them. Um, they've been fruitful for Holy Mother Church and, and we must have needed them. But there is something that just 
in, in me personally that was really drawn to the ordinary, humble beginnings of this movement. And again, my words, not Father Kentonix, but this attitude of why not? Why not? Why can't we ask her to come here, to dwell here, to just to bestow her graces upon us and upon all who will meet here? Why can't we ask this to be a, become a place of pilgrimage, a place of hope, a place like Mount Tabor in the midst of a dark, dark world? Why can't we ask this to be a place of peace, right? A place of God's goodness and love and mercy. Why not? And so we go back to those humble beginnings. And I ask you, or I encourage you, if you yourself um, struggle with doubts or insecurities, or maybe you, you know, you have friends or you hear about people who are quote unquote super spiritual. I hear that a lot. She's a super spiritual person. And maybe they have miraculous supernatural things happening, and you're like, I don't hear God's voice. I don't know what's going on. I that never happens to me. I am just some ho-hum person who's showing up to mass, you know, and and trying to do you know, live my simple life uh, with the best love I can, can. And you can hear I'm kind of saying this with like a voice of doubt. Please don't do that. Ordinary is beautiful. <laughs> and in fact, it is there that the greatest, the great, that the Lord draws the greatest faith out of us, right? In these ordinary in these ordinary moments, in our ordinary lives. And so allow him to make something extraordinary out of the ordinary. And don't doubt that no matter where you're beginning your journey or no matter where your life of prayer is, even if it's even if it's incredibly ordinary, right? And, and you wouldn't consider yourself a super spiritual person who's having all these supernatural things happening to them. Um, please don't doubt his goodness. Please don't doubt his love for you. And please don't doubt that the Lord can and does work extraordinary miracles through in the most ordinary means and through the most ordinary ways. Okay, so the question I'm posing to you and to myself this month is the miracles. They get our attention but do they keep our attention? And how does that tie in to the life of faith, the life of hope, the life of love that God is asking us to, to live in with him, for him, and through him? And on top of that, how does that tie in to this movement and the humble beginnings of our founding? So a lot of loose ends um, and I knew that when I jumped on here today, that that would be the case because I, I don't, I don't have that right now. I don't have all this tied together. Who knows? Maybe we'll pick up where we left off next month. And we'll be able to tie some of this together, but something to at least ponder. And I hope a message of hope and encouragement for those of you who maybe aren't experiencing God in supernatural ways or in what we might deem extraordinary ways. Those of you that are just showing up day after day, striving to grow in holiness in these ordinary everyday, um, ordinary everyday ways, trying to do the little things with great love. I, I, I hope this is a message of encouragement for you. You are in good company. You are in great company. Allow the Lord to continue to do extraordinary things in you and through you, through the ordinary means. This is the path of holiness and the path of great, great faith. So praise God. Praise God for his goodness. Let's go back where we began. I'm going to quote again Father Kensenick and, and these words. Now that we've had a little bit of time to ponder that, we'll go back and we'll reflect on his words in, in the newness of this. And then I will end again where we began with um, the transfiguration of Jesus as outlined in the Gospel of Mark. So first from Father Kensenick. When St. Peter saw the glory of God on Tabor, he called out with delight, It is good for us to be here. Let us build three tents here. 
These words come to my mind again and again, and I have often asked myself, would it then not be possible for our little Sodality Chapel to likewise become for us the tabor on which the glory of Mary would be revealed? Undoubtedly, we could not accomplish a greater apostolic deed, nor leave our successors a more precious legacy than to urge Our Lady and Queen to erect her throne here in a special way, to distribute her treasures and to work miracles of grace. You gather what I am aiming at. I would like to make this place a place of pilgrimage, a place of grace for our house and for the whole German province, and perhaps even further afield. All those who come here to pray shall experience the glory of Mary and confess, it is good for us to be here. Here we want to build our tents. Here shall be our favorite place. And now, my friends, let's end with scripture, the transfiguration of Jesus, chapter 9, verses 2 through 8. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no fuller on earth could bleach them. Then Elijah appeared to them along with Moses, and they were conversing with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus in reply, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He hardly knew what to say. They were so terrified. Then a cloud came, casting a shadow over them. Then from the cloud came a voice, This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone but Jesus alone with them. My friends, after this miraculous moment, the apostles with Jesus here at the, the transfiguration, transfiguration of Jesus, after this miraculous, extraordinary happening had come to its end, they were asked to descend back down the mountain and enter into the ordinary. So yes, our shrines become these places of Tabor, these places of grace, these places of great, extraordinary graces and light and peace, and where all these miracles of conversion, inner transformation, the grace of being at home, right? Where, where these graces are real and present and active in our lives and in the lives of our soul. What's the other one I'm missing? Inner transformation, the grace of being at home apostolic zeal, right? Thank you. Whoever was yelling that at me. Thank you. I got it. Okay. So these graces are real and they're active in our shrines. But then, yes, what do we have to do? We have to descend back down the mountain. We have to go out and share the good news with others. And let me tell you something. It gets really ordinary. It gets really ordinary. Pull out your Bibles and pick up what happens when when these, these guys descend back down. They enter into some chaos, right? Somebody's trying to drive out a demon. They can't do it. Why can't we do this, right? So they enter right back into the chaos of the world. Don't be afraid of that. Don't be afraid of the ordinary. God can do extraordinary things through humble beginnings and through our humble lives. So let's let him. Yes? Yes. Okay. A joy being with you as always. Please, please pray for me. Know that I am praying for you as well. Um, and in a special way, maybe offer some prayers in um, to the to the sacred heart of Jesus this month as we really allow ourselves to grow in our devotion to him and to his love and to his most sacred heart. Let's go ahead and end with the uh, childlike trust prayer that we have in, in this, this beautiful prayer we have in this movement. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We believe, O Mother, in your great might, though you be hidden as in darkest night. We believe in your victorious strength, though our desires may find no recompense. 
We love you, Mother, who so tenderly love each and all of us unceasingly. We love you, too, when you do not bestow your endless riches on us here below. Yet, in your mercy and benevolence, increase our faith and childlike confidence. Oh, let us always see your loving care, that strong in faith we do not fear to dare, but face the future sure of victory, looking to you for guidance trustfully. Our love will free us from all earthly ties, that eager and prepared for sacrifice. We offer life and love and loyalty, serving you now and in eternity. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.